I am looking for five unfulfilled healthcare professionals who want to create a clear roadmap to fulfillment in the next 30 days. If that's you, I would love to connect. Head to the link in the show notes to apply for a career clarity call, and I'll share all of the details with you. Welcome to the Life After Medicine podcast. I'm your host, Chelsea Turgeon, residency dropout, best-selling author, online entrepreneur, and world traveler. I'm on a mission to help the whole world start doing work that they actually enjoy because I believe the world is a better place when we're all doing work we love. If you want to create a fulfilling life and career on your own terms, then you are in exactly the right place and I'm so glad you're here. Through this podcast, I'll share inspiring stories of healthcare workers who have left their traditional medical careers to forge their own path to fulfillment. I'll also give you my best tips and advice for how I've managed to create a thriving life after medicine. Hello, my loves. I have a quick favor to ask of you press pause on this episode and go leave a review right now. Reviews are so helpful in boosting the podcast rankings and the algorithm, and they can also help other listeners to find this show. So if you have been listening to the podcast and have been enjoying it, please, please, please write a quick review about why this podcast has been helpful to you, why you've been enjoying it. It really doesn't have to be long, just a sentence or two about why you like the podcast. So I am so serious. Please press pause right now and leave a review before you forget. Hello, my love. So today's episode is going to be something a little bit different than usual, but I think you're really going to enjoy it. Earlier in October, I did a free three-day training called Buy Burnout, where I helped give people a more in-depth understanding of what's causing their burnout so that they can develop the strategies and tools that they need to really recover their energy and start to enjoy their work and their life again. And today I'm going to share a clip from the first day of this training, which I got really great feedback from and people really enjoyed and applied the tips and tricks that I talk about in this day one of the training. So during this day, we talk about burnout on a physiological level. And more specifically, we talk about basically how your body processes stress and what the stress response does to your body and to your nervous system. Um, During the training, I go through some of the most common physiological energy drains, and I give you tangible tools that you can take away to downregulate your nervous system. I think you're really going to enjoy this clip from the Buy Burnout training, and I hope that you can use some of the tools that we talk about to better downregulate your nervous system so that you can experience more calm and you can start to recover from your burnout. So I hope you enjoy. Today we're talking about the physiology of burnout, but before we get into the specific physiology, um, I want to do a little bit of an overview of what burnout is um, going on to kind of talk about the way I conceptualize burnout and I try to keep it as simple as possible so that you can have a better idea to understand what's going on with you. Um, So I've created a framework and I believe frameworks are very helpful in conceptualizing what's happening so that you can get really clear on the problem quickly and get to the solution quickly. So the way I do that is burnout happens simplistically when there's too many things draining your energy and not enough things 
regaining or recharging your energy. So I call it energy drains and gains just to make it rhyme. And that can happen on three different levels. So you can have energy drains and gains on a physiologic level, on a psychological level, and on a sociological level. And so we're talking about physiological specifically today, but that's kind of the overall framework that I want you guys to be aware of that we're going to use throughout. So for each of these different levels, we're going to talk about some of the common energy drains and gains, mostly some of the common energy drains. And we're going to go through one tool for energy gain in each of those categories. And that's kind of the structure of this training. And I'm super excited about it. That, that all just kind of came together really easily, which was wonderful. Um, so let's talk about energy drains. And the important thing is to identify your most common energy drains and begin to reduce or eliminate those in the most effective manner possible. So what I like to do when I work with my clients on this is we identify their energy drains. We kind of make a whole list of like, what do you think is draining your energy in this category? And then I ask them, what is going to make the biggest impact for you? with the smallest amount of effort. So what can we tweak with the smallest amount of effort on your part to have a bigger impact? And so sometimes that's a, a conversation, like a tough conversation you need to have. And that's, it's not easy, but it's one thing to do that can fix a whole host of energy drains. And so that's how I like to look at it. I try to be really strategic. It's almost like the Pareto principle, the 80-20 principle. So what is the 20% of effort you can put in to get 80% of the results? And so that's how I like to think about it. So yeah, today we're going to talk about burnout from a physiological level. And that means I am taking that to mean what happens in your physical body. I know that physiology can, in medicine, generally mean on a more microscopic level. And we're not necessarily talking about it only on a microscopic level. I'm talking about physiology meaning how it relates to your whole physical body. So this encompasses things like how well you're sleeping at night, what you're eating and drinking. And most importantly, what we're gonna talk about today is how your body is physically responding. So some common energy drains that I see within the physical physiological category, not getting seven to eight hours of quality uninterrupted sleep per night. That's huge in the medical field. It's it's so difficult to get, you don't have really enough time off to really recover and get the full sleep that you need. And then some people are doing shift work. And so then that can um, mess up your schedule. And then you don't have that regular uninterrupted type of sleep. So that's a big one. Sleep cannot be understated. Being dehydrated, that's a really simple one, but that can drain your energy. Um, living more of a sedentary lifestyle. So body in motion stays in motion, the law of inertia. When you are physically moving your body, that is one thing that helps you downregulate your nervous system, which we'll talk about. Um, but it also just gives you more energy. And I know when you're tired, that's sometimes the last thing that you want to do. Um, but even getting up and taking a brisk walk or going on a quick run or doing some kind of dance video, that's kind of my jam. Um, those can all be really helpful. Your diet's also important. We're not going to really spend a lot of time going into your diet today, but the more you, when you are drinking a lot of coffee, eating a lot of processed foods, all of that can really tank your energy. And I know when you're working in the hospital, it is all too easy to fall into those patterns. In OBGYN, we would always carry around pocket food. So essentially we would subsist on granola bars and things from the vending machine and basically things you can fit in your pocket. 
that's what pocket food is. And we would survive on that <laughs> for long periods of time. And it's just not sustainable. And it really, when your body is not nourished, that does start to drain your energy over time. The final one, this is what we're going to talk about today, is not turning off the stress response in your body. And I'm going to go on to talk more about the stress response in your body. I don't know if that's necessarily the biggest physiological energy drain, but that's one that a lot of people have the least awareness around. And you can make some small tweaks, like I said, and see some big results. So turning off the stress response in your body is absolutely vital in your burnout recovery journey. In the medical field, and in most fields, as you all know, there's no shortage of stressors that you encounter every day. Stressors are, they're just anything that we encounter that our brain perceives as a threat. Now, it doesn't have to be threatening our physical well-being. Um, it doesn't have to be actually threatening us at all, but it's the perception of a threat. So if our brain perceives something as threatening, that something that we perceive as threatening is the stressor. And then what happens in response to that is our nervous system activates the stress response in our body. So those are the two separate things. There's the stressor, the perceived potential threat, and then there's the stress response. That's what happens in our body in reaction to the stressor. Like when I've, when I've talked with you guys, when I've been like admitting people into the Facebook group and I ask like, what's your most common struggle? Documentation has been a huge one. Documentation has been such a source of stress for everyone and such a big struggle. Um, all of the office dynamics, all of the, um, the interactions that happen in the office and in the clinic, that can definitely, those can be stressors. And, and there's a lot of things layered on top of that. We're going to talk more about the full corporate medical system on day three. But as you guys know, there's no shortage of stressors in the medical field all day long. For me, I worked on the labor and delivery unit, and that was just this huge field full of stressors. I was constantly on edge waiting for a condition O to be called, especially when I was the second year and I was the person responsible for doing emergency C-sections. And that was really scary. And so I was always kind of on edge waiting for that potential stressor. And the thing that is really important that I want you guys to take away from this and I'm going to illustrate this in an example, but just because you have dealt with the stressor doesn't mean you have dealt with the stress response on your body. So for example, staying up all night to chart, right? So just because you've, you finished the charts, you've dealt with the stressor. The stressor is the never ending paperwork. Let's say, let's say it ends and you finish it. You finish the charts. The stressor is gone. You still haven't dealt with the way that impacted your body which is the stress response. This is similar also you can in the labor and delivery unit when an emergency C-section was called. That is the stressor, right? That's a potential threat that the threat is, what if the baby's not gonna be okay? What if the mom's not gonna be okay? All of the, the stress, all of the potential threats that come with that, you perform the emergency C-section, mom's okay, baby's okay, that is resolved, the stressor is resolved, but that doesn't mean that you're okay. Just because you've dealt with the stressor and that is gone, your body reacted to that and it ignited this whole cascade of neurochemical reactions activating your sympathetic nervous system. That doesn't just go away on its own just because the stressor is gone. That's still there and present. And so that's what this is all about, learning how to down-regulate your nervous system. That means learning how to give your body the signal 
that it is safe. Your body doesn't know that it's safe just because the stressor goes away. So just because the patient is dismissed and gone and they're not affecting you anymore, you still need to tell your body, okay, body, we took care of the stressor. You're safe. You can go back to the parasympathetic mode. You can, you can turn off the sympathetic response. We're not under threat anymore. We don't have to fight, flight, or freeze anymore. You have to do something specific to your body in the language of your body. <laughs> so just, just saying it doesn't matter. Just dealing with the stressor doesn't matter. You have to do specific things in your body. So when you encounter the stressor, let's talk about what's going on in your body. And I think you guys know this because you're all scientists, which makes it really fun to talk to you about it. Um, but your body activates the sympathetic nervous system. Depending on your particular nervous system and the potential threat that you encounter, you can go into different modes. You can go into fight mode, flight mode, freeze mode. Regardless, it causes a host of physiologic changes in your body. Your heart will beat faster. Your breathing is more shallow. It causes blood to flow differently to different areas of your body. Um, you, more blood is flowing to your muscles, less is flowing to your GI tract. Your brain even functions differently. So your attention shifts to focus on the short term here and now thinking, your memory shifts. So when you're in the sympathetic um, response, you're better able to recall experience and knowledge that is immediately relevant to this particular stressor, which is kind of cool, actually. But you're not thinking in a really broad problem-solving way. You're thinking very narrow, short-term, and you you're, you're going through the filing cabinets of your memory to retrieve any information that your brain is flagging as this is related to this current stressor in front of you. So for example, in previous performance reviews, you've done really poorly or you had a really bad experience in a performance review in the past. Then the next time you have a performance review, your brain perceives that as a threat and it's automatically gonna go through all the times in the past that are relevant to performance reviews, which are negative for you. So you can see like it really changes the functioning of your brain. It can cause your thoughts to start racing. For me, I get I can kind of like a tunnel vision sometimes. I can feel almost more of an out-of-body experience. So there's a lot of stuff happening in your brain, or in your brain, yes, and also in your body. And that is all happening in response to stressors. That is called the stress response. So the stress response in your nervous system is activated. And until you tell your body that you're safe, it stays activated. And over time, this essentially creates a chronic state of stress in your body, which dysregulates your nervous system. This can lead to insomnia, anxiety, depression, wanting to um, the social isolation that we talked about, the kind of underreacting to stimuli. It can also cause overreacting to stimuli. So you can totally flip out on somebody for no reason. Like maybe a customer service person is not really helping you in the way you wanted to and you're totally flipping out and it's like, that is so uncharacteristic of me. What, what am I doing? Probably because your nervous system is dysregulated and you're having an overreactive response. It can also lead to compassion fatigue, regular fatigue, <laughs> exhaustion, all of those things. So a huge part of burnout is the nervous system dysregulation that occurs. So in order to recover from burnout, and to prevent burnout, you have to learn how to downregulate your nervous system on a regular basis, very regular. So essentially we talked about all the different stressors, not all of them, there's so many more. We talked about many different stressors that can occur in medicine. 
Now we encounter those every day. It's not that you just encounter them once and you have to downregulate your nervous system one time. This is an ongoing practice of learning how to recognize when your nervous system is activated in that fight or flight or freeze and learning how to downregulate it in the moment, later on when you get home and, and just continually being in this balance of bringing your nervous system back into a state of equilibrium. Now there's so many different ways to do this. And for people who are in the medical field, one thing you might be familiar with is the concept of it's anytime you're down regulating your nervous system, it's the same thing as increasing your vagal tone. And so if you remember from cardiology, valsalva maneuvers, those are things that increase your vagal tone. So you can actually um, halt arrhythmias from this. I've actually seen this happen before on um, labor and delivery. We had a patient hooked up um, and we're monitoring their heart the whole time. And we had them vault. I, I'm like, <laughs> I just had them vault cell, but they like blew into this. Um, I forgot what, they blew into something to do that like <gasps> Valsalva maneuver and um, their arrhythmia stopped. So it, it's a real thing. You guys can see how effective this can be physiologically um, if you've been in medicine. Um, there's also the carotid massage, right? That's another example of something that increases your vagus, um, the carotid massage, you're like activating your vagus nerve that's around your carotids. That increases your vagal tone, which can decrease your heart rate. It just like activates the parasympathetic and switches you from sympathetic to parasympathetic. Now, there's so many different ways to do this. So many different ways. This process is really individualized and different nervous systems respond in different ways to these tools. So the important thing, before I like give you the different tools, the important thing is to find the tools that work for you and your nervous system. So this isn't about checking boxes or um, going through a checklist of things. This is not about, oh, well, Chelsea said, to downregulate my nervous system, I have to um, do deep breathing for five minutes. I did deep breathing, check, okay, I'm done. No, that's like, hopefully that will be effective, but what's really important for you to do is to pay attention to, to what's happening in your body and to be able to start to feel in your body when your nervous system has kind of gone back to, to chill mode, <laughs> to, to parasympathetic. So it's not about checking things off a list, it's about practicing the tools and noticing which ones are effective, which ones work, um, and, and being able to have that body awareness to bring your, your nervous system back into a state of equilibrium. This is something I really work with with my one-on-one -on -one clients is I really help guide them to discover the tools that work for their nervous system so they can develop their own process for bringing their nervous system back into equilibrium. So that's something we do together when throughout my one-on-one -on -one coaching, if you are interested in creating your own process for this and working with me more in a more high touch, high support way, I will be opening applications for one-on-one -on -one coaching on Thursday. So be on the lookout for that. Um, but for the purposes of the training today, I'm going to give you one main tool and then I might talk about some other ones too. But again, the biggest thing is for you to figure out what works for you. And so it's just playing around with them and experimenting and seeing what works for your nervous system. The tool we're gonna to talk about today, to keep it simple, is box breathing. This works really well for in the moment, when your nervous system is activated, in the moment. There's other tools that are can be more like maintenance type tools that are things that increase your vagal tone over time and they're good to practice daily 
to kind of build up that nervous system resilience. But there's also tools that you need to be able to kind of practice on a moment's notice when you're feeling the signs of your body kind of going into overdrive. And for me, it starts to feel like a panic attack. I start to feel like I can't breathe. My heart's beating. I I have the the same racing thoughts. My racing thoughts always try to convince me, you're about to die. (laughs) You need to go to a hospital immediately. Those are literally the thoughts that happen to me. I, um, this literally happened the other day. I woke up, I had a nightmare. I can't even remember what it was anymore, but I woke up and I was literally in this panic state and I felt like I couldn't breathe. My mind was saying, you're about to die. You need to go to the hospital. And I practiced this box breathing calmed right down. And I just felt so chill and I went back to sleep. So let's go through this. So if you guys can get comfortable, we can actually go through it right now. And it's something, again, this is simple and it's effective. And I want you to to realize how effective connecting to your nervous system on the level of your breath can be. It can truly be really effective. So You guys can get comfortable for a moment. Put one hand on your heart, if that feels good to you, and another hand on your your kind of diaphragm. And we're gonna just inhale, trying to inhale through your belly for four counts. So hold at the top for four counts. One, two, three, four, and then exhale for six counts. at the bottom for four. One, two, three, four. And let's try that again. So inhale. One, two, three, four. Fill your whole diaphragm up with air. Hold at the top. One, two, three, four. And then exhale slowly. Let all the air out for six. Just do that one more time all together um, as you so hold at the bottom. One, two, three, four. Inhale through your belly. One, two, three, four. Holding at the top. One, two, three, four. And exhale for six. One, two, three. Now that was just three rounds of it. I generally, when I am feeling this panic, when I am feeling like my fight or flight, you know, my sympathetic nervous system is activated, I do try to do this for at least two minutes, generally more like five minutes. Um, But yeah, at least for two minutes is a really good solid time for your body to really catch up and to experience the benefits of this. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Life After Medicine podcast. Make sure to leave a review and subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode. If you want to continue the conversation, share your takeaways, and connect with other like-minded healthcare workers, then come join us in the Life After Medicine Facebook group. The link to join the group is in the show notes. I can't wait to connect with you further.